0: Good morning. Welcome to Logan Capital's Large Crap Growth Quarterly Review. I'm Stephen Lee, uh, Principal here at Logan. And, um, you know, before we get into the review, certainly this has been one of the more interesting periods, uh, certainly any of us for investors and with the economy and geopolitical situations. And as we'll see, um, despite it all, uh, both the markets and the growth portfolios in particular have managed to stage uh, a relatively uh, impressive, impressive recovery. Um, and today, we'll just go a little bit into why we think that's the case and, um, you know, where we see some opportunities as we go into the future. So with that, you know, one of the reasons we think that this, uh, this recovery has been so strong is, despite everything, uh, since the shutdowns and the government shutdown and the man, not government, but the shutdowns related to the COVID-19 crisis, um, really, we've seen increasing clarity. Uh, in terms of treatment, um, in terms of the resiliency and the adaptability of the economy and businesses. Um, And we've developed a a little bit better sense of what types of businesses and what areas of the economy are able to function and how do we have to change those that can't. Um, And as, as I'm recording this, we are a week away from the presidential election here in the States. And certainly, whatever the outcome of that will be, it will be one of less uncertainty. We'll know we'll know the outcome or we'll know the process that we're going through. And it, the, one of the things that we've learned over the years is uncertainty is sort of the uh, enemy of markets and appreciation. And while we may not um, not every development has necessarily been positive, we have been able to get a better sense of what works and what doesn't work in the in the environment and and that way if this if this healthcare situation stays with us longer than we'd all like, we have a good sense of leadership. And one of the things we'll see as we get to the attribution, you'll see that the economy and investors have started to broaden out leadership from the initial ideas, the obvious companies and types of businesses that have done well, to those less obvious but equally well-run businesses. So we think we continue to be in an era of increasing clarity. But during periods of uncertainty, um, one of the things that's really important for investors and portfolio managers to do is to really step back and stick with their time-tested disciplines, stick to your process and be open to what that process is telling you. And that has been particularly helpful for us here on the Growth Portfolios as you know, our process is fundamentally driven by three things, macroeconomic, stepping back and looking at the economic trends, what are they seeing, and more importantly, with those trends, what are the behaviors within the economy that will allow certain businesses, customers to, to adapt and do well. Who do you want your customers to be in the current environment? So on the macro side, you know, we've certainly, that's been very helpful. Fundamentally, uh, we both do both quantitative and qualitative research. And quantitatively, we look at those companies who in more growthy times are, are growing faster than their peers. And in times like this, and in challenging economic times, our tools let us see those companies whose earnings results are expected to hold up a little bit better. And that's certainly been helpful. And then on the third side is we look at technical analysis. We chart everything. We look at how charts are working. We look at the trends in the economy. And what that does is gives us a little perspective, again, to that relative winners and where the opportunities. And as we saw the recovery come uh, in the second quarter and into this most recent quarter, the third quarter of the year, um, where leadership was beginning to emerge. And it's important to really continue to focus and stick to those parameters. Because one of the things, and I'll put a little dot here, you know, what that's allowed us to do and has been a little bit unusual here is the key is really, um, you know, in typical, typical bear markets a typical recessions, um, more defensive, more steady businesses um, rule the day. And what we've seen this year is actually innovation, growth and adaptability have actually fared a little bit better. And our portfolio's focus on that has allowed it to actually unexpectedly hold up very well in a challenging market and lead us out. Um, And again, we think that focus on the long term is important. So we continue to focus on earnings growth. Where is the relative earnings leadership been? Um, What companies have global franchises? And technology, let's focus on the use of technology. And that's fundamental to the portfolio. And I think one of these things is we look at the economy, uh, our, team, our team is really saying what's new, what's changed, and equally importantly, what, what uh, has not changed. And when we came into this, we were in a very strong economy with relatively low unemployment that was being led by a consumer um, that was in better financial shape um, than we'd seen in quite some time. And so, as we look now, consumer spending continues to be leading the way. So, tracking that consumer and their willingness and ability to engage in the economy—you um, know, as I'm again recording this today—we're starting to see, you know, further uh, restrictions coming out of Europe. Um, but we'll see how the consumer adapts. You know, being able to work from home, as we're seeing—you know, being able to record and, and work from home—is something that we weren't as good at uh, back in March. Um, so we're seeing that. So we're going to keep an eye on the consumer. You know, we have seen business confidence and consumer confidence recover. In many ways, uh, we've seen the consumer really view this more as a short-term, a relatively short-term event. Um, As one of the analysts, Sarah, on our our dividend performers team says, you know, this is, in a lot of ways, looks more like a storm event than a traditional recession in the sense that, yes, we're going to have to get through something, we're going to rebuild. And we're going to go back to those existing trends in a lot of ways, in terms of the impact of technology. And you'll see some of the charts we go in today. That that analogy seems to really have some support. Um, And the other thing that we've really been focusing on for quite some time and continues to be true is the idea of the digital and the real world merging. And what we've expected to see is digital technologies uh, really start to impact, move beyond the obvious technology names to the broader economy. and those companies that can understand how to use and implement that will do well. Um, and that continues to be true. So if we get to that, certainly these the trends today were actually not that different than where we were. Obviously the big difference here is you know having to really analyze how uh, how do we react to the coronavirus, how do we adapt, how do businesses meet their customer needs, you know how do we all get done the things that we need to get done? Um, and so that's really been important and certainly we see you know the daily progress on therapeutics um, but it's also important to step back and look at the facts and really just look at earnings look at results look at how companies are really doing and take a slightly longer term approach and we've really focused on doing that as a team and if you look at within security selection for the growth portfolios in particular you know there were really four big characteristics we wanted to have in this portfolio and have been putting in this portfolio for the last several years. One, we really wanted to have companies that had strong established brands that carried a premium. Um, We wanted companies that had a visceral connection to their consumer. And as we look at the environment now versus where we were coming into the year, pre-coronavirus, those companies with those strong brands have been able to meet their customers' needs even if those needs have changed continue to execute and do well, thinking some of the athleisure fitness, the Lululemons, the Nikes, some of the good omni-channel retailers really fit into that. The other thing uh, highlighted here in blue is technology. We wanted companies that had been willing to forego earnings today to invest in their businesses to for the changing business environment tomorrow. And we've seen those companies that made those investments prosper very well. We'll get to that in attribution. The other thing is, we thought the impact of cloud and taking business data and intelligence and putting it on very powerful systems that uh, you could manage. Uh, you know, it did a couple things. It made it made businesses those teams that had used the cloud, both either private clouds or those offered by Amazon or Microsoft or um, um, Alphabet um, or private clouds. It made your data much more manipulable, you had much better information, and we thought in times of change, which we didn't expect to be the change we're seeing now, um, but those businesses would see those changes and respond better. That continues to be a characteristic. And the other important factor there is it took the business information and got it to further within the organization and closer to the customer so they could respond better. That continues to be critical even with the uncertainty we're facing as we go forward. Um, And then obviously the orange box here is our circle, I guess it is, um, was consumer expectations. We expected consumer expectations to be changing over the next several years and certainly that's accelerated. Um, And the adaptability and delivery and other things that we've seen has certainly been absolutely critical. So in a lot of ways, and for those of you that are clients have seen, we haven't made uh, really, really significant changes to the positions in the portfolio, and but yet still been able to participate in the recovery because these factors that were fundamental to why we own the businesses continue to be true despite the dramatic changes we've seen uh, as related to the healthcare global healthcare crisis. So the other thing that we saw is the reaction to this was swift. Um, central banks globally, governments globally, um, had a playbook from two thousand eight, two thousand nine that they broke out. And if you look at the quantitative easing, this is on a global basis, you can see that, you know, on a global basis, central banks um, did quantitative easing to make sure there was sufficient liquidity in the banking system. They did it much more rapidly than 2008, 2009, and they, by a magnitude of almost two, double the magnitude. And that really helped the economy stabilize as we all had to adapt to, you know, work from home and things, um, because we didn't have the, we didn't have fundamental challenges or breakages in the financial system. So that was very good. In addition, um, despite the, you know, disharmony that we have, I'll call it disharmony in Washington now, there was a very brief period there where all branches of government got together and did massive stimulus, um, be it the PPP program to help small to mid-sized businesses adapt and have the resources to keep their employees on on the payroll, which is critical to healthcare in the United States, as well as the supplemental uh, unemployment insurance for those that did become disengaged. And in many cases, the supplemental unemployment insurance actually brought incomes up for uh, a sizable number of people on unemployment, which gave them the flexibility to take on those extra expenses. And we actually saw consumer savings rates um, go up. We actually saw consumer spending kick up a little bit this year after the virus. And so all of that proved to be very supportive to the economy. Now, what the future brings, we're not sure, but this is what was driving the recovery and how we've got to this situation um, where we've had relatively good recovery returns um, on the growth side of the markets. Um, the other thing that's interesting is to get to uh, you know our, our analyst Sarah's uh, comment. You know, we've seen this storm, but we've seen recoveries. Leading economic indicators dip down, but have started to move up because those the the stimulus, be it the quantitative easing and um, and other stimulus fiscal and monetary policy, I guess I should say, you know, allowed um, allowed people to have time to adapt. So now we're starting to see people recover much faster than they would have. So leading economic indicators uh, have recovered nicely. Even unemployment, certainly the, pay, the peak I think was over 13, almost 14%. This unemployment chart here goes back to the 70s. So that was, uh, that was a level we hadn't seen. But the September number got back down to 7.9%, which is actually a level that took years to get back after the financial crisis. Crisis of 2008 2009. So we've had years worth of recovery in employment in a relatively short period of time. Again, getting to that storm analogy. Again, we have to see whether we can continue to do that as we enter the fall, um, but very good progress. Um, if you look at average hourly earnings, you know, one of the things that um, we'd like to highlight is coming into this, the US economy in particular was in exceptionally strong terms. You know, when I go back to that, I think if you looked at unemployment lows since the 1970s we never seen unemployment that low in quite some time and average hourly earnings had hit a peak that again night to the 70s and this is actually even if you look at non-supervisory employees so we came in from such a position of strength so while we're off these these I guess I have to use this hand here you know while we're off these these peaks that we had um, if you look at average hourly earnings uh, on this chart um, we're still better than we were in the last 10 years so hourly earnings while they've come off their peak they're still not historically historically awful again explaining why the consumer's been so resilient small business optimism had a similar pattern repeat um, the chart i'm showing here shows small business optimism going back to the 19 pre the late 19 1980s a little before that um, and you saw how in 2016 2017 you saw small small business optimism go up to uh, really record highs so when we had the dip we were actually getting back to levels that were um you know if i'm looking at this 2013 2014 and we've had a recovery and the recovery of small business optimism by this measure is actually higher than we had been previous to 2015. Um, so again coming off of very high peaks it seems like a big drop but put it in historical perspective not as extreme and again helps explain some of the market activity here. Um, You can see consumer confidence. This pattern repeats. An incredible peak uh, in high levels before the virus set in in March, a drop, but then coming to levels that, again, were actually by historical standards still relatively high and higher than we were um, pre-2015, 2016. So we've we've gotten back to the levels much more rapidly uh, than in a typical economic recession. Um, that being said, we have to keep an eye on the consumer. The consumer drives 70% of the U.S. economy, and it is ultimately going to be that willingness and ability to engage and adapt, um, especially as we go through the fall that we're going to have to keep an eye on. That being said, you know, with that recurring just the facts theme, is we do have a significant demographic push here in the United States. The millennials, the red bar here, are the largest uh, demographic group here in the United States. They have been taking a little longer to do things than previous generations, but the behaviors are consistent with age. And one of the things that we've seen actually accelerate or resume here um, is the millennials are getting to that age where they start families. So we're starting to see home building come in. We're starting to see people buy houses. And this we think is buttressed by a couple of things. Obviously the Fed has lowered interest rates, making mortgages and homes more affordable. Um, you know, in, when you're spending time in home and locked in a little bit more, your awareness of your living surroundings, so your needs for home change and become a little more demanding. And then you have that natural aging, household or family formation, getting married, having children, doing these things. Um, and this is something that we saw come back in 2001 uh, after some challenging times where you know, sort of the nesting, if you will, started to happen. So we're seeing housing sales come in. We'd expect that to happen, and sure enough, Um, housing sales if we go back we're looking some 1999 we saw obviously a severe dip back in March when you couldn't get into houses and make transactions but if you look you'll see that recovery came in through and um, what's interesting if you look at that chart the point where we are is almost right where we should have been X the dip so we're seeing a recovery there Um, again getting to that the idea of using the storm analogy here Um, so that looks constructive and housing prices. Obviously, we've been underbuilding homes since the financial uh, since the financial crisis, which was mostly real estate uh, driven back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So we saw some of the highest depreciation since two thousand and sixteen in home pricing, which means we're going to need to get more demand. And construction is one of those things that is highly stimulates the economy. It creates a lot of demand because you buy a house, you have to furnish it. It's a lot of construction. So we think this this demographic trend, if it persists, which we think it may. Um, will be highly stimulative and is another cushion that once we get over the health crisis could be very promising for the US economy. Um, so as a team, we continue to keep a very, very close eye. What are we focused on? Focused on the consumer, this willingness to adapt, acknowledging that the situation is very uncertain and very fragile, but also keeping an eye on those companies that are willing and able and have the aptitude and the ability to innovate and adapt. Because we're not sure the direct the trajectory. Of, uh, of this health situation as we move over the next several months, but what we can be sure of is can we invest in companies that if uh, if the consumers are able to get back and get to more traditional retailer, they have experiential, they have stores that people would want to go to that would be willing to take the little bit of extra risk that we all perceive in going out, is it worth doing that? Um, but if they can't, can they meet us online? Can they do online? Can they do interactive sales? Are they able to do that and meet people where they are? This is what we need to see, this resiliency and adaptability. And it goes not just to consumers, but those companies whose businesses, whose customers are businesses as well. So that's continued there. So we continue to watch the reopening process very uh, very, very closely, You know, seeing those businesses that are able to function, um, regardless of where their employers are, while at the same time keeping an eye on that, even with the millennials, again, as we mentioned, being the largest group, um, that what they buy and you know the fact that they're going going in housing and and doing all these things and starting families what they're doing isn't that different but how they're doing it and you know where the de- buying decision is being made you know if we're going to shop online or buy from home or even if you're going to a store do you look to see if the inventory is there is it worth going out so it's it's how things are being done now that's changed not necessarily what at the end of the day gets done and so we're keeping a very close eye on that um, so we do think that those are accelerations that as a team before the virus we thought would be happening over the next three to five years. We think that got compressed into three to five months. Those changes are accelerating and those investments become paramount. And that's one of the interesting things where we think we have this unexpected dichotomy where the more growth and innovative companies are leading in a challenging economy because frankly, the slow and steady businesses, you know, one they're slow and steady. They were not necessarily reinvesting uh, in a changing economy as much as as they would have been. so we're really keeping an eye on those companies. Are they meeting that customer experiencing, knowing that can change? Um, because at the end of the day, we want to be in those companies that are able to satisfy their customers' needs in a period of significant uncertainty. Um, you know, so one of the things coming into the year, we started planting some seeds in the portfolio. And one of the reasons we think the benchmarks have held up so well is, as you may recall, the Fang stocks, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, um, you know, they really they they dominated last year in 2019, and they became a very large position of the benchmarks. Um, and you know, we had some concerns that they had gotten a little high, so we had been taking some profits and buying what we call next generation innovators. Um, but the good news is is from the investor point of view in the markets, those companies were big percentage of the markets. So when we had a recovery, those companies participated, and it really cushioned um, investors' portfolios. Um, what we're seeing now, though, and we'll see it as we get to attribution, though, our premise was that that was really reflecting the fact that earnings of those IT companies, their margins had exploded. Because once you have this infrastructure in and your customers come, it becomes a very profitable business. It's, it's high margin. High initial investment, but then less ongoing investment. And our expectation is that there were a lot of companies that were learning the tricks of the trade, if you will. Um, And we're going to start implementing. And we thought coming into the year, there would be opportunity for those companies that are using the same tricks as, say, on Amazon, you know, retailers learning how to use e-commerce and doing things. They'd learn that and get those margin benefits. Um, So we thought that there was opportunity there. So we'd been trimming some of the established players, still had meaningful positions, don't get me wrong, but trimmed and bought the next emerging leaders. Um, And we think that continues to be. But what would be an opportunity? But when we look at the quarter, um, I think this is important to to point out. So top contributors within the growth portfolio, certainly Apple. One of our biggest positions was by discipline. When we get up to 6%, we trim a little. What we've been doing there is buying emerging leaders. Um, still our biggest contributor in the portfolio with a 27% return. But then if I go look over the best performers, you can see a company like Dick Sporting Goods, which is a, a retailer with a good track record of in challenging retail times, um, increasing the quality of their, their stores. Um, they, uh, they have very tight alliances with Nike and Adidas and all these brands. So if people wanted to buy these uh, these goods, the athleisure goods, if they couldn't go to the store, they had to go online. Dick's had a little bit of a, a exclusive license for that. And certainly you've seen a shift in sports from team sports to individual sports. Well, that drove demand for different sporting equipment. So you can see that with Dick's Sporting Goods, Nike, ePAM Systems, um, Trade Desk. And then Apple. You can see that these second tier, the second tier leaders on an absolute performance, actually outperformed Apple. And we continue to we continue to see that going on. And we think this will continue to happen as things going forward. And in fact, since quarter end to now, as we're starting to see a little more concerns about uh, the impact of the health crisis, we're actually starting to see the dominance of the obvious um, COVID or you know the COVID impacted stocks waning a little. As these next tier uh, companies continue to perform, and if we look at that on a year-to-date basis, you really see it. So certainly, uh, you know, Amazon up seventy percent can't argue with that. That's an incredibly solid year. Netflix up fifty-four. You know, this is good. But then you have companies like Trade Desk that allows com- business that allows businesses to buy ads on streaming media, like a Hulu, uh, for example, or. Um, was up 81%. So, you know, we've seen some of these next generation names actually do very very well. And we think as the portfolio goes forward, regardless of the outcome, as the opportunity goes forward is, you know, you often hear rotation. We don't necessarily look at it as a rotation. We think there's going to be a broadening out. You know, we think these these long esta- these big established names that have done so well, they're probably going to continue to do well, but the next level of opportunity is going to be the the emerging leaders that are looking at those uh, using some of the tools. So, we think there continues to be opportunity. So, Um, So And we've planted those seeds there. So we did add two new names to the growth portfolio, uh, both on the demographics with the consumer. You know, a lot of ways this recovery is following the path of other recoveries, where the consumer recovers first and the more affluent consumer tends to be the first of the first. So we saw companies come up that are sort of targeting that segment. Lithia Motors for auto sales uh, and restoration hardware. Both of these companies, what they have in common is they are savvy users of technology to meet their customers where they are. Um, And we think, particularly in the auto dealer business, when you need to get your car serviced, um, being able to have a little bit more touchless experience and using technology to book your appointments online, pay for your service online, purchase and browse for your vehicle online, these things are going to be very, very important. And what we're seeing is an opportunity for consolidation in the auto business where a tech-savvy, well-capitalized player, you know, can start to consolidate the industry and gain market share. And Restoration Hardware, similarly, a top-tier furniture retailer, targeting a little bit to the higher end, um, and you know, they have uh, much like another company in the portfolio, Williams Sonoma, they have their design teams able to do make sales online, to do interactive experiences like. Um, to be able to do that. So if the stores, they're not dependent on stores opening to be able to continue to meet their customer needs. And we source those funds, frankly, just by trimming some names that have done very well in the portfolio that got over our maximum limit. Um, so if we look at you know the portfolios, obviously uh, feel free to look at the numbers. It's been a solid quarter, but if you look at the top four holdings here, Amazon, Netflix, Apple, MasterCard, we're using cash less, electronic payments a lot more. We came into the year very well positioned and we continue to believe that's the case. Um, So with that, um, thank you for for taking the time. If you have any more questions about the portfolio, please feel free to visit us at logancapital.com or reach out to your uh, uh, Logan representative. Thank you and uh, stay safe. As a reminder, this material represents an assessment of the market and economic environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or guarantee of future results. Forward-looking statements are subject to certain risks and uncertainties. Actual results, performance, or achievements may differ materially from those expressed or implied. Information is based on data gathered from what we believe are reliable sources it is not guaranteed as to accuracy does not purport to be complete and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for investment decisions it should also not be construed as advice meeting the particular investment needs of any investor past performance does not guarantee future results